generate is supporting my vision to improve the financial literacy of 100,000 Kiwis by sponsoring Keep the Change. Cheers, Generate. Head to generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash change to find out more. Getting in the KiwiSaver fund that suits you and your situation is key to making sure you're maximising your investment. Generate are an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of long-term performance and they can help you do exactly this. Their advisors can meet with you to talk about all your options when it comes to KiwiSaver to help you decide what's best for you. Too many people never get KiwiSaver advice, but not you. Go to generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash change to book a no-obligation chat with a Generate advisor. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited. And of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. The show must go on, and that it will. This week, we're going to be looking at the budget, the budget of 2023. It was described as boring, batshit boring, batshit crazy, a bolter, brilliant, the best. Every B word you can think of, depending on where you sit across your demographic, your age, and whether you're maybe getting anything out of the old budget. But it's always an interesting time of the year because someone delivers the budget. It's obviously the the finance minister, whoever that is, and then everyone's standing up, clapping, like, yeah. And usually we're going into more debt. There's never usually a, we've made heaps of progress in this area. It's like, here's what we're now going to do with people's money. And if you did that in your individual household, stood up once a year and were like, right, we're going to go into more debt and here's what we're going to do with that money, but we're not actually getting a goodish return off of that in terms of building our assets uh, or increasing our net worth or increasing our infrastructure at our property to ensure that we can still flush the toilet, something like that. You know, and, and unless it's just spent very wisely for us people will critique what we're doing or we'll know deep down like "Mm, this probably isn't that smart but it seems like with the budget for the country we just accept that you know debt's not actually a big issue just we should probably have some more and it's low compared to other countries so don't worry too much about the debt that we're taking on board but for us individually like we know when we take out more debt we're like oh because you're relying on your future self to pay that back. Now, the beauty about taking on debt as a country is that you can rely on the future people to pay it back. So a lot of the debt that we have now goes back decades and decades, probably before a lot of us were even contributing to the tax take. And we have got the benefit of spending that money back in the day to now have the things that we have now. But of course, those things need to be maintained and those cost money as well. But we continue to push the, the burden of those costs down to the generations that are probably still coming through that have no idea that this stuff is going on. And I was actually thinking about this this morning. People were talking about changing the voting age to, to 16 and 
I think people would be surprised that I actually support that. Uh, you know, people say that they don't know what's going on at that stage and all those types of things, which is cool and probably right. But there's a lot of fucking people that are 50, that are 60, that are 40, that are 30, that are 20, that have got no idea what's going on as well. So wouldn't it be better to get these people involved in thinking about some of these things from an earlier age anyway to engage them in politics? Now, I think I was quite anti the government and politics and stuff like that. Even when I turned 18, I thought I was cool not voting. Uh-oh. I think that then those 16-year-olds, probably a lot of them won't even care. It'd be amazing to see how many 16-year-olds actually turn out and vote in that first election for themselves. But does it bring forward the age at which they care about some of the things that are going on? Of course, they can be manipulated earlier, can't they? Because they're probably still in the schooling system and they could potentially be, I think the worry is, oh, but they might be manipulated by teachers and they're typically left-leaning so then they're going to vote that way. And that's probably people on the right worried about that and just like, well, aren't people still being manipulated through to the fucking day that they die anyway? You know, people don't necessarily think too much, even when they're 50, 55, 60. Most of us are just thinking about things that are in our best interest, whether we care to admit it or not. And I'd imagine that someone younger would probably do the same thing too. But anyway, that was a random thought that I was having this morning. Uh, but I'd probably need to do more reading and thinking and learning into that discussion around 16-year-olds being able to vote uh, anyway to form a better opinion of that. But there's a random brain dump for you. Now back to the budget, and this was week number 158. Now in 157 weeks, we celebrated three years of Keep the Change. And is this place going to burn down or not? Hopefully not. Uh, But I've had people emailing since doing that podcast, and it was only yesterday for me, but obviously a number of people emailed back, which was cool, because I was actually overseas for that, so it was really cool to see the email go out, and then uh, the the number of emails and stuff that I had with people wanting to congratulate or say what they'd learned and how they're thinking bigger. It literally, I'm just, just saying that it literally just gives me uh, goosebumps on my arms thinking about that. So it's really important to me, and it's also um, not something I take for granted. Now, I've just been able to look up the statistics for May as well because it's the 1st of June as I record this podcast as I play to catch up from being overseas. In May, there were 30,000 people listening to Keep the Change, the biggest month ever. Not as big a growth from May to June as from April to May, uh, but still growth. And we are compounding to use some investing terminology. So thank you to all of you, A, who are new around here, B, sticking around, and C, people that are putting something on their social media to say that they're listening to this. I had someone email me this morning saying, I've given your content to no less than 50 people. And that's how a number of you are here through other people talking about this or passing this information on. So thank you so much for doing that. And if we all continue to do that, we're going to achieve that goal of having 100,000 people listening to this and learning about their financial literacy. And then hopefully there's going to be a war test of information to people or for people to be able to learn even more. But over 50,000 downloads as well in May. Biggest month again. And I think there's about 47,500 in April. Now, I said to Mikey, because obviously he's on a lot of these podcasts, um, you know, this is pretty cool. And we celebrated that very briefly over some text. And he said, we've got we to gotta go out to dinner to celebrate again. And it's a very good reminder for you too that when you are getting closer to your goals and when you are achieving things, you should celebrate success because it is very not the dumb thing in New Zealand anyway 
we're like, oh, probably shouldn't do that, you know, don't want to pat myself on the back too much. Fuck that, you should be, because it's actually really healthy for your brain. Now, your brain is going to like the reward of, wow, you know, this is our, this is what we're out here doing, celebrating. So, you know, say you do stack your emergency fund or you clear your credit card or you achieve your financial goal, make sure you take a bit of time to celebrate. And I'm not saying like go out there and just completely put yourself five step backwards by doing something real stupid. Just have a way to be able to celebrate the fact that you have achieved something because it is very, very healthy for us. Now, this budget, what's in it for me or New Zealand, question mark, was the title of Money Mail 158. This week, we have had the annual budget come out for the nation. Some people are calling it boring, others breadcrumbs, and others are belter. In last year's budget, income earners under $70,000 celebrated the fact that they would get a $350 cost of living payment. This got a lot of people talking about the budget, naturally, but not this time. So the budget was very loud last year because people were excited about this $350 payment, which... If you were going to be getting some money, you would be too, wouldn't you? And the funny thing is now, if you think about this a year on, where's this payment now? You know, this was announced in the 2022 budget that Iran under 70 grand in income is going to get this $350. Now, arguably, interest rates are higher than they were. Inflation's not too much lower than it was in the conditions that we were in in May. And they allowed, I think it was 700-ish million dollars to go out to be spent. And it wasn't going to be inflationary or it wasn't going to have an impact. In fact, it was actually there to help bring down inflation. But inflation isn't too much better than it was the year before. It's very sticky. Interest rates are now high. You know, I wonder, should we not have spent that? Should we not have given that out? Did that really make a big difference? Very interesting. Very interesting to think about. And maybe we could have paid that off some debt. Or maybe we could have used that money to build something for the future generations of New Zealand. Maybe we could have invested it into a fund to then be able to slowly ensure that people don't have to, or we could change the indexing of taxes, for instance, or that was then going to cover the cost of providing childcare to more people, or just increasing the wages to our nurses and to our teachers, who I believe are currently striking, with the teachers specifically. So... It's all good and well to be like, yeah, cool, some free money, but you have to remember someone's missing out somewhere on the other side of that and someone's paying for it too. And we're all paying for it in, a, in some way, shape or form because that $350 would have been spent. Most people would have spent it and it would have gone back into the economy and it most probably would have contributed to some form of inflation which impacts all of us. So very, very weird that this hasn't been done again. Maybe, just maybe, there'll be something like that coming before the election. But it's interesting how something can be like a really good idea and then a year later, it's just not even uh, not even talked about. But that's what made the budget really, really exciting for people in 2022. In 2023, this is why people are calling it a bread and butter type budget because it was just sort of the same old stuff and nothing real sexy in there. But there were a couple of things which I think we'll talk about later on in, the, uh, in this so this year seemed a bit more standard procedure and they were not they were not introducing anything too sexy for you and I. Never fear, we have an election coming up, so now no doubt all of the politicians, so not just the people in power, have a few aces tucked up their sleeves. And I actually think that Labour will uh, they'll have more than national. I think they're way more in tune with communicating with the everyday person of New Zealand and I think they will run rings 
around the Blue Brigade and that'll be very interesting to watch. So if you like your marketing and stuff, which I do, that's where my brain goes to when I think about that stuff. It's not like, oh, but I like nationals, so fucking hopefully they don't. Um, who cares? You know, it's just, this is two parties trying to out-market and out-communicate each other. I'm going to go and sort this fire out myself in a second. Gee whiz, hopefully you can't hear that too loud in the background. So this year's flagship commitment in the budget was to those with children the age of two. So shout out, there'll be a few of you. Uh, from March, two-year-olds will be eligible for 20 hours of free early child care each week. Previously, this was available to children three to five years old. The extension of this eligibility for the 20 hours of free early child care is expected to cost $1.24 billion over the next four years. Well, how will we pay for that? Don't worry, trust owners have got you covered. The top tax rate for trusts will move from 33% to 39% to be in line with the top personal tax rate. This is expected to raise $350 million annually. Now, a couple of things on this, just so that you understand. So the top tax rate in New Zealand is 39% for people who have income over $180,000. So what that means is that the trust tax rate, which is currently 33% for all income sources that stay in the trust, uh, that will now move to 39% if all of this gets approved. Now, why this is quite important is that, obviously, I'm an accountant, so I'll try and articulate this for you in a way that you can truly understanding and this is where the narrative comes of like oh they've got trust or the rich have trust or people with accountants set up trust and not going to lie that is exactly what happened so when the 39% tax rate increased for people who earn over $180,000 what a lot of accountants and lawyers did is they went cha-ching I can make a fucking stack of money here so what they did is they went to their clients and they said we suggest that you set up a trust And so you operate under a company, and let's say that there is uh, $500,000 of profit in that company, which there wouldn't be too many businesses that actually have a $500,000 profit, or too many people that actually are in this situation. It would only be in the thousands anyway, but not tens of and hundreds of thousands. It's way less people than you think. But anyway, your company makes $500,000. We're going to give you a PAYE salary of $179,999 so that you don't end up paying 39% tax on the income above that uh, 180k threshold. And then they say, well, we're going to set up a trust for you as well, and the trust is going to own shares in your company. So it's now a shareholder as well. So we're going to leave the $320,000 profit in the company. We're going to leave that in the company. That's then going to pay tax at 28%, which is the company tax rate. Then we're going to declare a dividend. The dividend is the payment of those profits up to the shareholder. Who's the shareholder? The trust. What's the trust tax rate? 33%. Oh, okay, cool. So we're still 5% short because we've only paid tax of 28% on the profits in the company. So let's move it up into the trust. And that's at 33. Cool, we'll pay the 5% shortfall. That's done. But at least you're not paying the 39% shortfall. So all of these accountants and lawyers around the country rub their hands together. They probably rub something else as well and then shot down to the local European car dealer and were like, we're going to make heaps of cash here. And thousands and thousands of trusts were set up in New Zealand. Now, I 
did a video on this when it was happening at the time. Interestingly, the data now supports as well that more profits and money was getting pushed into trust. So people were aggressively declaring profits out of their companies into trust to try and preempt that maybe this 39% rule would come into play to try and get ahead of these changes. So that was you know what kept you know, uh, accountants and lawyers busy for quite some time. And maybe I sound a little bit salty and maybe a little bit of envy. And it's because during that time, I was like, fuck, that's a waste of time getting clients to do that because A, they're going to have to pay for that and B, the rate's going to change to 39% anyway. So actually, why not focus on helping these clients through a really tricky time? We have to remember, this was post coming out of COVID and the pandemic. I'm like, that's what clients need. Let's fucking help them understand how to grow, how to improve their business, how to safeguard, how to protect the things that they have built. But a normal accountant, a one that's far better and smarter than me, is like, you know what, we can sell some compliance to them, we can give them a trust, we can, yeah, we'll be able to charge them each year to do that. Oh, it's protecting their assets, oh, it's protecting the tax that they pay. So, you know, that's why those accountants and the big towers and stuff make a shitload more money than me because I actually think about, well, how can we improve this business and help grow their mindset? Whereas the traditional ones are like, what other structures can we put in place? And then we can head off to the European car dealer and be like, yeah, I'm very good at what I do. So if that's what they want to do, it's completely legal, it's completely sweet, and that's exciting for them. That sort of stuff just bores the shit out of me. So I don't get all excited about that uh, and would rather focus on how can I help a business owner become a better business owner so ensuring that they have a better life. But of course, you still do need smart structures in place. So it's a bit of a, you know, you've got to to balance both of those. But that is why a lot of trusts were set up as well. And that's the, the way that a little bit of tax could be avoided legally. But now they're saying, well, we're just going to move the trust tax rate, the 39%, the same as the top tax rate. So there's no real no real advantage as such of just moving all of those profits up to the trust, you're going to then end up having to uh, pay the same level of tax anyway. So they're just bringing some fairness back to the way that they're done. And, you know, I I don't understand why they just didn't do it at the time, do the trust one and the individual one at the same time. But hey, there'll be some reason. But again, we're reactive. And so then people play games and they'll push systems to every boundary until such time the systems and the boundaries get moved. So the trust tax rate anyway, this increase will more than fund the increased cost of the 20 hours of free early child care for two-year-olds. What will be popular too is that the government will pay a matching KiwiSaver employer contribution to paid parental leave recipients. So these two things, just two points here. So remember recently people were complaining about uh, how it's unfair, the, the rich don't pay their fair share, etc. You know, that was the big thing for 72 hours, right? Now, I think at the same time, when you increase a trust tax rate like this, and then you say, look, if you have a two-year-old, they can go and get their uh, early childcare, and it's going to be paid for for you, well, that money's got to come from somewhere. So the trust rate increase is going to cover that. So we should also celebrate people with trust now and go, thank you so much. It is now anticipated that you will be able to send these two-year-olds to childcare if the parent chooses to. But of course, that is not what we do. We're just like, okay, it's never enough. We're probably still going to rip on the people who are earning more and whatnot. But the money's got to come from somewhere, doesn't it? But I do like this where they've introduced uh, the government paying a matching KiwiSaver employer contribution to pay parental leave recipients, whether that be male or female. But it is known through data that females' KiwiSaver balances are less than men for a few reasons. And one of them is that often 
the woman will take paid parental leave and they won't be able to contribute to their KiwiSaver like they normally would. And this becomes a problem later on in life, especially if the couple separate and there's less in there and those sorts of things. And you should go back and listen to the episode that I did uh, around relationship property and things like that as well because that will give you a bit of understanding of that and the things that you can do to protect yourself should you separate. But we need to shine light on these types of situations and this is a great way to try and bridge that gap in, in, into some uh, inequity maybe, maybe the word, uh, between what ends up happening with male and female balances of KiwiSaver. Now also one of the cool things I've seen is uh, a guy I know contributing to his partner's KiwiSaver when she went on to maternity or paid parental leave, whatever you want to call it, so that those the KiwiSaver balances stayed sort of in sync. So there's different ways to, to do it as well, but it's cool to see the government actually stepping into that space going, well, here we go, we can leave from the front and show us a solution. Now, one of the, and the reason I like this spend as well is because it's an investment. And you know what's going to happen with that investment? It's going to decrease the reliance on uh, benefits being superannuation as those slowly get phased out later in our life would be my prediction. Now one of the other interesting things I spotted was that the Treasury now expects inflation to be under 3% next year. That would be bloody great, wouldn't it? But I'm not too sure, so let's keep an eye on that. So Treasury think inflation's going to be around 3% next year. That's then going to be very close to the band that we accept between 1% and 3%. So Treasury was also no longer forecasting a recession for the country. Great news, they must have data for March that you and I won't see until June that will confirm whether we are in a recession for the October to March period. We've talked about this before. If the March GDP data is negative we and we haven't had growth, we're going to be in a technical recession. But the Treasury, when the budget were coming out, was so adamant we're not going to be in a recession. So obviously the March period's well finished now, hasn't it? But they must have that data to confidently say, don't worry, we're going to avoid a recession. I was firmly in the camp of surely not because of what I was seeing in January and even the start of February of clients. I'm thinking, holy sheesh, the economy is really slowing down here. But it definitely has picked back up and it was probably just that holiday lag. But I'll be very interested to see what happens when this June data comes out. Now, just for those wondering, the Treasury is the government's lead economic and financial advisor and steward of the public sector financial management and regulatory systems. Have you ever heard of that before? Gee whiz. Lead economic and financial advisor and steward of the public sector financial management and regulatory systems. But you would think the lead economic and financial advisor would know that data, probably ahead of you and I, the public. And why does it take till June, the middle of June, to get data from two and a half months ago? Anyway, let's carry on. As a nation, we'll be running a deficit, spending more than we earn until the year ending June 2025. The deficit, of course, is funded by debt. What that means, obviously, just like you and I, we're spending more than we earn. How are we going to pay for that? With debt. Cheers. We're going to ask the future taxpayers to pay that back. Uh, or we'll just start to create this more narrative of like, oh, debt's actually sweet. You know, we should get way more of it. Well, if it's so fucking good and we can get so much of it, why don't we borrow a shitload as a nation and just pay off people's uh, home loans? That could be a good solution. Then people won't have to worry about what their, uh, their debt levels are personally. So why don't the government just do that? So, you know, they use these arguments one way, but then they don't really work the other way. And if debt's so sweet, well, why, why don't we decrease all the taxes and just take on more debt? Why do we even have to pay taxes? Why can't we just get way more debt and let the government sort that side of things? So there we go again. But anyway, that's the sort of stuff that should get you thinking. But also, June 2026, just FYI too, the government's... Um, end of financial year finishes 30 June 
So for the year ending June 2026, the surplus is around 600 million, which is next to fuck all. That is not a lot of money in this day and age. As an example, uh, that trust tax rate was going to bring in 350 million, um, but I, I just about guarantee you that that amount will be too low. But we should come back to this pod in a couple of years' time, or even yeah, in, even in a year's time, and see what the expectation is for June 2026. I would guess that we'll probably still be looking at another year where we have a deficit. But uh, anyway, apparently it's all good to just continue to spend more than what we earn and carry on taking on debt. So we'll see how that plays out over the long term for our beautiful country. So we'll return to a small surplus in 2026, but of course this doesn't foresee any pandemics, disasters or economic crashes which may require more funding and therefore more debt. As we don't save for a rainy day, we borrow when it pisses down. I want to reiterate, we don't save for a rainy day in this country, we borrow when it pisses down. As an example, that $70 payment, $350 payment, sorry, for those earning under $70,000, now, looking back, wouldn't it have been smarter to hold on that just in case we had a rainy day? Oh shit, I think we had a couple of those. Could have been good to have that money sitting there to help in that recovery, but no, instead now we've got to borrow because we don't know what's around the corner. But the government continue to act, all of them, like they do. And they don't seem to too worried about what could be coming, but they will argue uh, either side or any sort of politician that we've got a, a great comparison to other countries and we've got an ability to borrow more if we need, should anything go wrong. And so this is why I say we don't save for a rainy day, we borrow when it pisses down. Now why do you think so many Kiwis find it hard to get on top of their finances and actually get into good financial habits? Well, you don't get set a very good fucking example, do you? No. We literally tell people to do one thing and we know that that's a good way to live but then the people who lead us do the exact opposite. So if it's good enough for them, well it's probably good enough for us, right? Anyway, we all know that living beyond our means isn't a good idea for too long so don't get too many bloody ideas. That's all I'm saying to you here and I know this can sound when you talk about a budget like, oh you're ripping out the current government but really I'm ripping out the the, the, the thinking or the lack of thinking and saying, you listening to this don't want to practice the habits that they are creating because they are not going to end well. And of course, this budgeting stuff, it can be pretty boring, but it's important because it shows us how we as a country will fund different areas of need. And there is so much need out there in so many different areas. And I've read people saying the budget didn't do this, it didn't do that. We were really disappointed from this action group, etc., etc. In a budget period, no one's going to be stoked. Like not everyone's going to be stoked. So big organisations are doing this stuff as well, and they've got to set a set of budget. And I suggest that you do too. So let's go back to basics very quickly of what is a budget. It's a financial plan that outlines an individual's or organisation's or country's projected income and expenses over a specific period, typically on a month, quarterly, or annual basis. Now, since week two of Keep the Change, this is one of the very first lessons. It was about budgeting, and I've been referring to my financial planner template that I encourage people to use monthly to monitor their net worth and to monitor their cash ins and outs for the relevant pay cycle. See below if you need the template, and there's a link to it. Now, I did this myself yesterday. It was the 31st of May, and I have a calendar reminder, and it says to me, Luke, you need to do your month end process, and I go and map out my income for the coming month. I go and work out what are my assets, what are my liabilities. I've spoken about that at length so many times, and if you haven't, you need to go back and, and read and 
listen to the Money Mouse talking specifically about month end and why it is very, very important. Now, why should we budget? Well, budgeting will help you to manage your finances effectively, set and achieve financial goals and guide decision making. It provides clarity, control and a roadmap to navigate your own financial journey because everyone is different and we all have different start lines and expected finish lines. That's why it's important for you to do it that works for you. And people have said to me, I never used to do this. Now I do. I used to think it was a crock of shit, but now it gives me an excitement at the end of the month to go and have a look and see the progress that I've made. And hopefully I'm increasing my assets, but decreasing my liabilities. And I can actually set some goals and get closer to them and focus on them. So to finish, there's a big chance that yesterday's budget isn't as important as your budget. That should be the takeaway every year when this budget comes out. Perhaps the question shouldn't be, what's in it for me? What's in this budget for me? It needs to be, what's in the budget for New Zealand? Maybe we need to reframe the question and our expectation of the government. How the government spends its income is important because it is taxpayers and future taxpayers' money. But remember that your budget is as, if not more, important. Make sure you're doing something to keep an eye on what's coming in and what's going out. It's easy to be critical of the government spending, but are we as critical of our own? Again, this comes back to taking a bit of action ourselves and making sure that, yes, we might be unhappy about where money may end up or the lack of, etc. when we're looking at a government budget or an employer's budget or an organisation's budget, but are we walking the talk? Are we thinking about it for ourselves? Are we doing things to ensure that we've actually got one in place? The amount of people in New Zealand who would have mentioned or discussed the budget in the week that it came out that do nothing all year to budget for their own stuff, well, it would be a massive number. But not you, because you've got access to the templates and you'll be thinking about these things. And if you don't, you need to find week number two of Keep the Change Money Mail. You can go to keepthechange.co.nz forward slash blog or you can even go to the latest one, scroll all the way down to week number 158 and there is a link to the template that you can make a copy of and you can make it your own. And you might not be a, a spreadsheet type person and that's okay. You want to take the principles off of it and turn it into paper. It's not about being a guru in the stuff. It's literally about doing something that you understand and how I do it may be a little bit different to how you do it but the principle is that each month you stop you reflect what have I got coming up oh geez I didn't realize there's five weeks in this next month and I'm going to have to make five rent payments before I get my next pay or whatever that could be so that's a way to start to increase your education about this stuff and to keep your money on your mind and to be thinking about are your assets increases uh, increasing are your liabilities decreasing and what goals do you have so in that template there is all of that stuff explained and I'm sure it will help you start to focus more on your money. So enough about the government and enough about their bloody budget. It happens every year, but by now you're getting a better understanding of it. We'll see you in the next week of Money Mail. If you haven't already, I'd love if you could leave a five-star review or continue to grow this podcast by putting some of the Keep the Change content onto your story. It could be a reel, it could be a previous podcast, it could be your favorite one, or it could just be tagging Keep the Change in something on your story so that other people can see it and we can continue to grow what is because coming well is one of the most rated podcasts in the country thank you i'll see you on the next money mail
Show must go.